You are listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 44, and I am recording on February 17th, 2021. So I am happy to report that my parents got their first vaccine shot, and I feel as though I can breathe a little bit easier. It's just such an immense relief. So that is the really good news that I have to share with you coming out of Los Angeles. My kids are still doing Zoom school. We're coming up on a year. I think March 7th will be our one year of being out of school-diversary. I remember everything shut down in LA right after my youngest son's birthday, which is March 4th. He had a sleepover party and that was the last big hurrah, but I think we are going back soon. So stay tuned. And not that this is huge news, but I really don't get out that much. I redid my bookshelves, took everything off, dusted the shelves, which I hadn't done since I moved six years ago, rearranged everything by color, of course. And I have a photo up on Instagram that I posted at Jennifer Caloyeras, if you want to check out my fiction side of my shelves. And I got rid of a lot of books to make room for more books. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. I am so glad you're here. If you like what you hear, please rate my podcast on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. It only takes a few seconds and it helps other book loving listeners find the show. And I'm so grateful that you are listening. Author Heather Bell Adams is here today visiting, so I'm going to get moving and head straight into some bookish news so we can get to our guest. LeVar Burton, one of my personal heroes, has been named the inaugural Penn Faulkner Literary Champion. I was completely smitten with Reading Rainbow as a kid, and now I get to host my own subpar version. So, Burton is also being recognized for his commitment to literacy in D.C. schools. My next tidbit is more book news adjacent, um, but I am excited to share that John M. Chu will direct the film adaptation of The Wicked Musical, which of course is based on the novel by Gregory Maguire. That was a really fun read. If you haven't read it and you're into The Wizard of Oz, it's long, but man, did he delve deep into the fictionalized history of Oz. Stephen Chopsky, author of The Perks of Being a Wallflower, will direct the film adaptation of Dear Evan Hansen. And we can all just hope that these musical adaptations don't go the way of the Cats film adaptation. Enough said. Zachary Levi, is it Levi or Levy? I don't know. Whichever one it is, he's going to star in a live action Harold and the Purple Crayon. I cannot believe it took this long for them to make a Harold and the Purple Crayon live action film. I'm having flashbacks to seeing him live once when our kids were really little, like four and one. We took them to go see the live Yo Gabba Gabba show based on the TV show, and uh, he was one of the special guests. And the other special guest who my husband and I were just so excited about was Biz Marquis busted onto the stage. We were not expecting that at all. Miramax has optioned a short story from Alice Monroe. She's one of my favorite short fiction writers, and her story, Free Radicals, is the one that's being optioned. It's about a chance encounter between a young killer on the run and a widow. And that is all I have for bookish news this week. So we will move on to the books and today's guest, Heather Bell Adams. 
Heather Bell Adams is the author of the novels Maranatha Road, West Virginia University Press, 2017, which I realize is how we know each other from both being published there, and most recently, The Good Luck Stone, published by Haywire Books, 2020. Her short fiction, which has won the Carrie McRae Memorial Literary Award and James Still Fiction Prize, appears in the Thomas Wolfe Review, Atticus Review, the Pettigrew Review, Pembroke Magazine, and other journals. She volunteers on the Raleigh Review Fiction staff, and she loves yoga and does not love cooking. So welcome, Heather. Thank you for having me. I'm, I think that you are exactly right that we first um, started chatting online because of our shared experience with West Virginia University Press. So that's exciting, and I'm just so thrilled to be here. From where are you speaking to us? I am in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, which is where I live and work, and these days work from home. So I really do spend a lot of time uh, within these four walls. (laughs) So in your own words, what is your most recent novel, The Good Luck Stone, about? So The Good Luck Stone is a dual timeline story that's about a 90-year-old Savannah Society woman who suddenly disappears when a secret she has kept since World War II begins to unravel. Well, I read it and can safely say it is a beautiful story about friendship, and I love that we get to see Audrey at two very different points in her life. Well, thank you. Yes, um, you're exactly right. I mean, the heart of the story for me is friendship and what friends will do for each other, uh, what they're willing to do um, in times of war and in times of peace. And it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, even in the contemporary storyline where Audrey is 90 years old and she uh, meets this woman, Laurel, who becomes her caretaker, um, I didn't really intend for the theme of friendship to carry out through all the different storylines, but much to my surprise, you know, I found that it did, right? Because Audrey becomes friends in a way, a different sort of friendship with her caretaker. And then her caretaker's son, Oliver, who was 10 years old and struggling to fit in at a new school, uh, the theme of friendship pops up with him too, as he's uh, trying trying to make friends and looking to the adults in his life for advice about how to do that. You have dueling timelines in the novel, as you mentioned, which I know is a really challenging structure to have. There's the Philippines during World War II and modern-day Savannah. How did you land on this decision to weave together Audrey's past and present? Well, as a reader, I enjoy dual timeline stories a lot because I really enjoy seeing how someone's past informs their present. Um, And when it comes to the character of Audrey Thorpe in The Good Luck Stone, when I first considered her, she was very much concerned with the notion of legacy and what type of legacy, you know, she's 90 years old. so She's kind of looking back at her life and thinking about how do people see me and how does my family see me and what legacy am I going to leave behind? And so I knew from the beginning that she would be haunted by a past decision that she had made. And I thought it would be interesting to have that past decision set in World War II. However, I wanted to do it in the South Pacific because I feel like there are so many good World War II stories already (laughs) 
set in Europe, I wanted to do something a little different. And so rather than intersperse the present day storyline with brief uh, flashbacks to the war, I thought that the past was so important to Audrey that it really did deserve its own timeline in the book. So that's really how I happened upon the dual timeline structure, um, trying to give, I guess, each storyline the weight that it deserves, even if they're not necessarily um, equally weighted, um, trying to really flesh out each part um, so that it becomes real for the reader. Well, I think you made the right decision to best serve your story. Thank you. It's it's definitely a lot to juggle, um, you know, trying to keep both storylines going. (laughs) I can only imagine the scribbling that you were doing to try and keep it all together. Do you have a day job other than writing? I do. I am a lawyer. I've been a lawyer in Raleigh since 98, and I currently manage litigation for a bank that is headquartered here. So I get to do some writing in my legal job, but it's a very different kind of writing where I'm uh, assisting with briefs to the court and every statement that we make really in a brief has to be backed up by evidence in the factual record or citation to a relevant case. So there's not very much uh, leeway there. And that's something that I really appreciate when it comes to my fiction writing. It feels very freeing to me to be able to just, uh, you know, put down whatever I want to put down. Um, And what are you working on now? I am working on a new novel, um, which I'm excited about. It's set in Western North Carolina, which is where I'm from and where Maranatha Road was set. Um, It has evolved and changed over the past year or so. I sort of joke that it's about a family. (laughs) That's the one part that hasn't changed. It's always been about a family. Um, You know, things happen to the family. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, it's roughly present day. um, It's multi-generational, which is something I enjoy as a reader as well. I, I currently have a point of view character from three different generations, a grandfather, his daughter, and then uh, her children. So that's been fun to kind of get those voices right, to experiment with them and um, get to know the characters, even just for myself. Well, I look forward to reading about your new story about a family where something happens. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with us. And we're going to move on to book recommendations. Heather brought three today. So why don't you go ahead and start us off? The first book I would like to recommend is called The All Might Son, which is by Diane Zena. And it is about, it's a novel. It's about a young woman who is uh, a writing instructor at a small college outside of D.C. She's quite lonely, and she is still grieving the loss of her parents, uh, which occurred some 10 years earlier. She meets this student named Siri, who is very magnetic, very charismatic, and sort of draws the main character very much into her world. And so I would say that it devolves into an inappropriate relationship between student and instructor, though certainly not a physical one. I want to make that clear. But the instructor really gets drawn into Siri's world, so much so, in fact, that she travels to Sweden with her to meet her family uh, over the summer break. 
And it is a really beautiful story in terms of how the main character, uh, how she interacts with this family that's so different from her own personal life and how she uh, grows from that experience. So again, that one is The All Night Sun by Diane Zena. I hadn't heard of that book. I'm definitely gonna have to check it out. It sounds really interesting. My first pick is a nonfiction book. It's called 14 Talks by Age 14, The Essential Conversations You Need to Have with Your Kids Before They Start High School by Michelle Ickert. And this comes out tomorrow. So when my kids were little, actually just when my oldest son was little, I read a lot of parenting books, the the second child got the second child treatment. Um, And then at some point I just stopped, maybe around the age of four or five, but I'm so glad that I picked this one up. I felt like I read this book just at the right time because my oldest son was in his last months of being 14 when I read it. Um, And the middle school years are a significant milestone in a child's life. And Michelle Icker does a beautiful job illuminating so many of these complexities that middle grade age children go through. Her main thesis is that there are 14 talks that she implores readers to have with their children with the undercurrent of kind of before it's too late. And I appreciate how the sections are broken down into very palatable bites, changing friendships, sexuality, criticism, and technology, to name a few. And I came away from this read with very concrete ways in which to start sometimes challenging conversations with my children, because in addition to my 15-year-old, I also have a middle schooler. And um, she tells you also what not to say, which is really helpful. She made me feel a little less hesitant to have these important conversations sooner rather than later. And as a writer of young adult novels, it was fun to kind of be in that world again from a nonfiction perspective. So thank you to Rodale Inc. and to NetGalley for the advanced review copy of the book. And again, that is 14 Talks by Age 14 by Michelle Icker. Wow, that sounds really amazing. I have a 17-year-old, and I definitely could still use that and could have used it over the past few years. <laughs> that sounds very good. Um, my second recommendation is another novel. It is called The Dearly Beloved. It came out in 2019. It's the debut novel of Kara Wall. And it's so um, amazing to me that this was her debut novel. Um, I think that she spent, Kara Wall spent a lot of time on it. I believe I read uh, an interview with her where she said she'd worked on this for years. And I can definitely um, believe that. It's about two couples, Charles and Lily and James and Nan. And it follows them from when each couple meets in college. And then when they become adults and the two men, Charles and James, are asked to basically co-pastor, serve as co-pastors of a Presbyterian church in New York. And this is primarily uh, in the 1960s. And the story follows these two couples throughout the decades as they grow closer in friendship, as they drift apart, as each member of the couple, so the two husbands, the two wives, Uh, struggle with questions of religious faith um, as they endure fertility problems, uh, you know, other family issues, marital issues, 
And what I love about the book is that it really seems as though it's about real people. Charles and Lily, James and Nan are so realistically portrayed that you could believe they were sitting in your living room with you. (laughs) And I love books like that, that are very character driven. Um, And so I I really recommend it for people who enjoy, for example, uh, Wallace Stegner's Crossing to Safety. It has that same sort of feel to it uh, where we're going to, we're going to really get to know these people intimately and follow them through decades of their lives, both good and bad times. So again, that is called The Dearly Beloved, and it's by Kara Wall. My last pick is Milk Blood Heat by Dantiel W. Moniz, and that came out on February 2nd. This is a powerhouse collection of short stories set in the Florida heat, and man, you can feel the humidity seeping through the pages. I was immediately reminded of Lauren Groff's short fiction collection, Florida, um, but this is an, an entirely different type of short fiction collection. In the opening story, Milk Blood Heat, a black 13-year-old explores the power dynamics in her relationship with her white best friend, and they physically mix their blood together in a bowl of milk, sealing the friendship. These stories about girls and women are dark and sad, they're thoughtful and complex, and many of these stories revolve around relationships between mothers and daughters and include themes of infidelity, identity, grief, and death. This is a writer that takes care of her stories through her attention to detail and impressionistic prose. If you want to feel connected to humanity and learn about empathy through reading, then this is the book for you. And again, that is Milk, Blood, Heat by Dantielle W. Moniz. Heather, what's your last pick? My last pick is another novel. It's called The Last List of Miss Judith Craft by Andrea Babotis. This is a novel about an older protagonist, um, Judith Kratt, as you might have guessed from the name, is our, is our main character. And she is looking back over her life. She is in the fictional town of Bound, South Carolina. There's a definite Southern feel to the story. And a couple of things are going on here. She's looking back over her life in part because her wayward younger sister has suddenly returned home after being gone for decades. And so as the story progresses, the author unravels this mystery, if you will. It's not a straight mystery, but there are elements that we're trying to figure out, you know, what happened? Why has the sister been gone? Uh, There's a lot of um, references, even from page one, to their brother being gone and some event that occurred in 1929, a fateful evening in 1929, that we flash back to and eventually find out what happened to the brother and why has the sister been gone this whole time. And as Judith is thinking back over her life, um, she is also taking an inventory of some of the family's prized possessions. And I don't mean prized in the sense of monetary value necessarily, but she's taking stock of heirlooms in the family that tell the family story. And I love the way Andrea Babotis handled that. 
throughout the book, she literally describes some of these heirlooms. And then you get to hear the story of uh, why that object has some meaning in the family's history. And the publisher, Sourcebooks, did a beautiful job. My copy is a paperback. Uh, the front papers and end papers have pictures of some of what might have been the heirlooms that are talked about. And I find that just a lovely detail. Um, again, that is the last list of Miss Judith Crap by Andrea Baboda. I love that. I love like the histories through objects theme. Well, it was wonderful chatting with you. You managed to pick three books that I hadn't heard of. So that's always exciting. So thank you so much for stopping by. And if people want to find you on social media, where can they go? Yes, perfect. And thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, I am on Facebook at Heather Bell Adams. I am on Instagram, Heather Bell Adams. And I am on Twitter. There's not enough room for Heather Bell Adams. So it's Heather Bell Adams on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and then my website is heatherbelladams.com. Well, I will leave a link to all of these places in the show notes, as well as links to where you can purchase all of the books mentioned and all of the books that Heather has written in my books are my people bookshop.org store. Just check the show notes. And next up for me, I'm going to read a swim in a pond in the rain by my favorite author, George Saunders. Um, and the rest of the title is in which four Russians give a masterclass on writing, reading and life. Um, my short fiction collection was placed next to his book, Lincoln and the Bardo in a bookstore once. And it was the most thrilling moment to see my book next to his book. My book is not in the bookstore anymore, but his of course still is. Heather, what are you going to read next or what are you currently reading? I have just started Jack by Marilyn Robinson, and I'm very excited about that one, um, just to continue the Gilead uh, books and delve into the character of Jack, who is mentioned in the other Gilead books, but of course this will now be uh, his story, so I'm excited for that. It's so good. You're going to love it. Yay! <laughs> Any questions and comments can be sent to booksaremypeople at gmail.com and I will be back in 14 days. And until then, I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week. 